are the bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the marquee games for week six in the NFL, including the Sunday and Monday nighters. Also, Andy's going to offer a tasty sandwich game of the week. Mmm, sandwich. And I'll toss in a Moneyline Matty pick as well. But first, with me as always, because we can't do the show without him, he's my main man. It's Andy the Prognosticator Atridge. How you doing, big guy? I'm all right. How are you, Matt? Uh, I'm doing all right. I, I, I've, I've recovered from my uh, week-long mescaline trip last week where somehow I was induced to pick the Jets and the Browns on the same week on the money line. Yeah, it didn't work out on, on either side of that, did it, really? No. No, it did not. But you know what? It was even worse to be an NFL kicker last week. Um, you have to look no further than Rodrigo Blankenship's missed point after attempt on the Monday Night Football game, which was the 13th of such thing across the NFL this week. For the win, Blankenship missed it. No good. That's the most missed PATs in a single week in the Super Bowl era. It was also the 25th missed kick in total this week because you have to throw in the 12 missed field goals. Most in a week since Week 11, 1987, which, as I recall, was a strike season. What has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot kickers. But uh, even the kickers, as bad as they were, Andy, uh, they had a much better week than John Gruden, didn't they? Why? What happened to him this week? (laughs) Yes. Nothing. Other Other than a couple emails timely leaking out. Yeah, you know, you know what's funny about that whole thing? Well, we're waiting. It was, it was when one of the emails had Roger Goodell's name in it. And, and that's when shit hit the fan. You bet. Right? And so was that a matter of him not kissing the ring? Probably. Oh, absolutely. Look at Dan Snyder. He kisses the ring. He's practically given the commissioner a reach around, and he's still in the league. He owns a team. You're the kind of guy that would fuck a person in the ass and not even have the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. Yeah, well, you know what? To be serious, I've done some investigation um, about John Gruden, John David Gruden. There's some things that we don't know about that guy. Uh, I can give you five of them if you want to go through it. All right, let's do it. The top five things you didn't know about John Gruden. Number five. He has severe arthritis from too much knee head. Knee head! Knee head! Number four. Has secretly been rehearsing for his first appearance on Soul Train. Listen, I don't have a disco in here. I don't have a disco. Well, let's all start dancing. Number three. Has a Michelin man fetish. Go for Michelin handling. Don't settle for less. Number two. He told Dan Snyder that he should just keep the name Redskins. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. And now, the number one. John Gruden thought collard greens was an outfit that Cam Newton wore on game day. You, sir, are a racist. Yeah, well, now John Gruden is out of a job. You're fired. So uh, next man up for the Raiders, but I think they're uh, they're going to end up taking it on on the chin after a pretty decent start. It's going to be same old, same old for the Raiders uh, fans, as I think the back end of this season is not going to be as nice to them. Well, it's not like he's willing to take snaps under center, and we've already promoted uh, David Carr. I think we should promote John Gruden now in our episode to the 
piece of shit club. Oh, he's he's on the board. Is he is he on the board or is he chairman or is that still reserved for Dan Snyder? That is still reserved for Dan Snyder. Okay. He is definitely the chairman of the piece of shit club, but I will definitely put John Gruden on its board of directors. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so I, I know he doesn't take any snaps, but you and I talk a lot when it comes to the lines about coaching. And yeah. uh, Gruden can get those boys up, and it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the year. And speaking of the rest of the year, it's week six, so let's fire this fucking thing up. Yeah, Matty, let's do it. It's time! Fucking go! Oh boy, game one on the docket. It is an NFC North matchup where my Bears are at home against the visiting Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Bears, four and a half point underdogs at home with uh, 45 being your over under total. Um, you know, last week, big win over the Raiders, you know, that we've put together two in a row. Haven't been pretty on offense, but uh, the defense has stepped it up. Yeah, yeah, they have. Uh, you know, they, they're averaging 126 yards on the ground per game this year. And compare that to Green Bay's 100. That's a significant advantage. But the Bears are by far the league's worst in passing yards per game at 113. And in fact, that number drops below 100 if you only consider the last three. Ironically, that number of 100 is still 20 IQ points ahead of Bears coach Matt Nagy. Easily. And in their defense, their defense has allowed 16 and a half points per game in its last four outings. And leads the NFL with 15 sacks and has held four of its last five opponents to under 100 rushing yards. They're typically at their best when they play at Soldier Field. And the last 21 games, the total has gone under 16 of them. Yeah, well, we always talk about if you just take it out of Chicago, as I'm a big fan, so obviously I, I loved my Bears. But any divisional matchup, once it goes over three points or three in the hook especially, the home dog always looks good, right? Mm, it does, unless Aaron Rodgers is involved with that line. The Pack has beaten the Bears ten of their last visits to Soldier Field. Sorry, ten of their last eleven visits to Soldier Field. Oh yeah, and the Packers have won six straight road games versus the NFC North. Although their last loss was in Chicago, Week 15, 2018. That's three years ago, Matt. Why are you bringing up old shit? I was I was on the fence with this line until I looked at the injury report where all pro cornerback Jair Alexander for the Packers went on IR last week for his AC joint sprain, which kind of gives Justin Fields an opportunity to toss a few deep passes. Well, this is just it, though. You're hitting the nail on the head. Bears offensive coordinator Bill Lazor needs to get Allen Robinson more involved in the game plan. He has fewer than 70 receiving yards in each game this season. And last year, he had 12 games of more than 70 yards. Uh, they, you know, they're running the ball well. You know, they're sporting the ninth-ranked rushing offense in the league. And that was one of the best things Justin Fields did last week was hand the ball to David Montgomery, who was uh, just pounding the rock. He's not going to be in this game. Who is not going to be in this game? Although the offensive line, they're doing a wonderful job when it comes to blocking up front as well. So I'm hoping we can plug in uh, plug in a couple backups and hopefully they can get at least something. 
But yeah, I, I, you got to get Robinson involved, especially if you want to beat the Packers. Uh, well, forgive my ignorance, Matt, because you fought, this is your account, this team. When did the offensive coaching calls go from Nagy back to, to Laser? Uh, when the Bears started winning. It's been two games now. Two games, because they did this same experiment last season, did they not? They did, and then Matt Nagy took the uh, play calling back again. I feel much more comfortable with him not making the calls on offense. Nagy. Tell us something we don't know, motherfucker. I, I honestly think they should lock him in uh, the Hallis family panic room and just leave him there during the games. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. I don't know. This is a divisional game, and... If you look at what the Bears defense did to the Raiders' high-flying offense last week, they have the potential to frustrate Rodgers and at least keep it tight. I'm stretching here, I know, but I'm taking my Bears. It's only a stretch if the Bears don't get a significant turnover, possibly for pick six, which they've done a couple times this season. I'm counting on at least one of those and the Bears to cover the four and a half points. The Bears! The Bears! Up next, we head to Cleveland, where the Browns are three-point home favorites against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, 50, 50 and a half is your over-under, and uh, well, uh, the Cards' D is really tough against the pass uh they're pretty weak against the run they've allowed 139 rush yards per game that's the most fifth most in the nfl and 5.4 yards per carry that's the second most in the nfl this season and this is you know andy the browns could take advantage of this because they're averaging 187.6 rushing yards per game i think the good strategy is keeping kyler murray on the sideline where he's not torching you for yards well, I'm, I'm quite aware of that, that number that you just tossed out. But let's go back to what you said earlier about Arizona's defense. You know, last week they made my 49ers look like they were starting a rookie quarterback for the first time. Oh, hang on. They were starting a rookie quarterback for the first time. Hi-oh! I'm not saying they're suspect, but this game, I checked the weather report, as I always do. It's going to feature 17 mile per hour winds. So why does this matter? This is the time of the season where I go back to my soliloquy about wind factoring in to not only the totals, but how it affects the spread. And here's the reason why I think that over time, the strategy really gives you a legitimate edge against the books. Now, the weather can make totals move a little, but you don't get an accurate weather report in the NFL probably until late Thursday. By that time, totals have already been on the board for about four days. So it's unlikely that it was originally factored or quote-unquote baked into the line. But it's just too easy to say that bad weather creates unders. Once wind speeds exceed 15 miles an hour, throwing the ball becomes much more difficult, forcing teams to their clock-eating running game. But more so than that, it makes the kicking game far less effective, so they're more likely to punt or go for it on fourth downs. If they do kick, the success rate drops significantly. Rain and snow, however, can create more turnovers in short fields, making the outcome more likely to go over a low total. In a sample size, now this is college, of 781 games where the wind speed was more than 13 miles an hour, 
Total went under 449 times versus 332 to the over. So that's a win percentage of 57 points. My point here is that it's going to come down to the running game. And who runs the ball better? Clearly, it's the Browns with a one-two punch of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who are averaging, as you said earlier, a league best 187.6 yards a game versus Arizona's 128. Now, couple that with the fact that Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds is on the injury report nursing a sore shoulder and left practice on Wednesday. Also, first-team All-Pro linebacker Chandler Jones has just been put on the COVID list and likely won't be playing this week. Yeah, man, you hit it all on the head. Like I, I, I like Arizona this year. Um, they got, but they got to come all the way across the country. That always does affect a team. <sighs> And Cleveland has the type of defense that can, you know, at least kind of chase Kyler Murray down, make it tough for him because guys like, you know, Miles Garrett are just going to be living in that backfield. And, uh, you know, they got the defense to stay with them. I, as long as they get Nick Chubb a steady diet of, uh, of handoffs and they can keep Kyler Murray on the sidelines, I like the uh, Browns to cover the three points at home. Well, not only is the wind swirling, but so is the rumor mill. See what I did there, Matt? See what I did there? See what you did there. Apparently, Odell Beckham Jr. wants out of Cleveland, he said this week. So maybe he's going to be incented to show off his wares to other teams, see what's available, make his price go a little bit higher. I like the Browns too, dude. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg. Dog Pound, y'all better turn up this week, man. Y'all got a new feeling, new spirit. Let's go get it done, Dog Pound. Up next, uh, we head to Charm City for a huge AFC matchup, a possible preview of an AFC championship game, maybe? Hmm. The Baltimore Ravens at home against the LA Chargers. Baltimore, three-point favorites, 50.5 is your over-under, and wow, the Chargers, that was a big game last week they paid it played against cleveland you don't think you can get any better than that and then you see the monday night game exactly. where 19 points down you got lamar jackson taking his team and uh well taking the reins of his offense and basically willing the ravens to win well i'll say this about the nfl the primetime games this year have been nothing but spectacular and we kind of crap on the Thursday night games. They've all been competitive coming down to the last minute. Uh, there's been so many other games on Sunday and Monday night that have come down to the wire as well. Bottom line, don't go to bed early because there's, there's a lot of action happening in the second half. As, you know, as much as we were propping up the Browns defense with guys like Miles Garrett, although Jadavian Clowney wasn't playing last week, but, you know, they still, they still allowed um, – the Bulls to put up a, a, a 47 burger. And I like the new head coach of the Chargers, Brandon Staley, because he's done um, what he's done with his team in terms of play calling is so far and beyond what Anthony Lynn has done in the past few years. And this team travels really well, probably as, as well as any other team in the league. They've won both the road games this year. My only concern with them is that they have the league worst 158 yards allowed per game against the rush. And trust me, the Ravens can run the ball. Yes, the Ravens can run the ball, but also when the Ravens uh, need to step it up and try to come back, 
they've proven they can do it. They're 3-0 in games in which they had under a 28% win probability with five or fewer minutes left in regula- regulation this season. And uh, that is a, that's that's also per next-gen stats. That That is a crazy stat. It, but the problem I have with that is they kind of seem to play down to their competition sometimes too. You know, they come out and they'll lay an egg in the first half. You do that against this Chargers offense and you're going to be down a lot more than you can probably come back on. I like the Chargers this year. I think they've done a fantastic job in Los Angeles just turning that team around. And, uh, well, they have a quarterback. This they have best. a good quarterback. They have a great quarterback. Yeah, Justin Herbert is amazing. I, You know what, dude? I'm calling this my money line Maddie pick for the week. The Chargers go into Baltimore. They win it outright. Oh! Oh! Yeah, my concern with the Ravens. Let's look at the let's look at their body of work for this season to date. You know, they they lost to the Raiders in Week One, then they beat Kansas City by one point, and that was due to a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble late in the game. Then they beat the lowly Detroit Lions with a 68-yard last-second field goal. When they played the Broncos, Bridgewater went out hurt, and then last week against Indy, Blankenship, the aforementioned. Uh, missed a field goal, missed a point after attempt, and he had one block kick. So they're bare. They could easily be one and four coming into this game. I, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm co-signing this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Chargers on the money line. My stone cold lock of the century. Oh, the week. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. You're yes, hello, Detroit. Man, if you think you cheer for a hard luck team, try being a Lions fan. Uh, they are at home this weekend and, uh, well, three and a half point underdogs to the visiting Cincinnati Bengals, who had a little bit of hard luck last week. Uh, 48's your over under. And, uh, Andy, that was a really rough one for Cincinnati. Can they recover? Let's put a bookmark in that for a second, Matt. Uh, when you asked me how I was doing this week, I'm all right. My dog, Woody, the beagle, got sprayed by a skunk this week. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I'll tell you two teams that got sprayed by a skunk this past week, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals and your Detroit Lions. Holy crap. I'm sorry. Did you just refer to them as my Detroit Lions? You better take that fucking words right out your mouth, son. I meant like they're in your division, so you follow them more so than other people. Yeah, that was, that was fighting words right there. It'd be like me going, hey, Andy, how do you like your Seattle Seahawks? Oh, come on now. Yeah, you see how that felt? Yeah, yeah it doesn't feel nice. I, I take it back. I take it but, back. They're not your Detroit Lions. Excellent. They're the Lions of Motown. Now, please continue. So the Bengals bungled big time last week against the Packers. They did everything possible that they needed to do to beat the Packers, but which is really came down to a comedy of errors or in this case, missed field goals, as in five of them, as in five of them in a row. So they ultimately lost to Green Bay with two minutes left in overtime. So both teams essentially played five quarters, and now you've got Cincinnati going on the road to face division rivals, the Baltimore Ravens, next week. And you know what that means, Matty? It's an almost wise, guys. Sandwich game! What are you? An idiot sandwich. The Lions lioned again, clutching another loss out of the jaws of victory. The Vikings hit a 54-yard field goal as time was expiring on the clock. 
But they showed once again some resilience, scoring 11 points in the fourth quarter to take the lead. Now, what do you think Dan Campbell thought of that? And while you do have to admire his emotional commitment to the team, if that dude cries after every Lions loss, you might want to consider a career change. When you, uh, when you see your players give all that they have and, uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. You know, you don't want that for them. So, um, but we'll be better for it, you know. And there again, credit Minnesota, but, um, you know, we we made the one mistake that cost us, you know, and uh, and so ultimately, you know, it uh, we didn't we didn't do enough to win. But I was proud of them, and I love the fight they have in them. So on a positive note, running backs Jamal Williams and DeAndre Smith seem to be getting equal playing time, having thirteen and eleven rushes respectively against the Vikes. Jared Goff, for as much as we shit on that guy, is now 7th in the league in pass completions, and he's really seemed to develop a pretty good chemistry with TJ Hawkins in their tight end. I don't want to take too much away from what Cincinnati has done this year, because I do think they've taken a step forward. Keep in mind that Joe Burrow suffered a neck injury last week, and he had to go to the hospital for a throat contusion, and is currently on what they call voice rest. You know, that's crazy, another quarterback. See, now, he got a throat contusion. Nick Foles actually causes throat contusions. I really, really loved everything about his uh, package. It was huge. I've been to Ford Field for a couple of games, and trust me, it gets loud. It's going to be a long game if he can't be heard by his teammates on the field. But again, this is just a tough spot for them in between the Packers and the Ravens. I'm going to suggest taking a stroll to the Corktown Historic District in West Detroit with a special stop at Mudgy's Deli. Mudgy's offers an unbeatable variety of sandwiches, including the Beefy Blue, a hoagie stuffed with hot and tender smoked beef brisket, pickled red onions, blue cheese, tangy balsamic vinaigrette, and fire-roasted tomatoes. Yummy! Well, dude, you pretty much nailed that one on the head. Uh, I, I think this is a tough spot for Cincy, and also... Going back to Dan Campbell's reaction, he he took some heat for that. Some people made some fun. We're having some fun, but I'll tell you this. His players saw that, and his players know that they got a guy that's at the front that's finally leading from the front, that's wearing it on his sleeve, and I think that's the kind of guy you go to war for. Uh, not the biting kneecaps. That's all bullshit. What we saw last Sunday in the postgame, that was real emotion. That was real heart. And his players are going to be picking it up at home this weekend. So I'm going to take the Detroit Lions. And believe it or not, buddy, they're my second money line. Maddie picked this week. Oh! Oh! If you were going to eat a sandwich, you would just enjoy it more if you knew no one had fucked it. <laughs> All right, now primetime Sunday night, we go to the Steel City where the Pittsburgh Steelers are at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, four and a half is the point spread in Pittsburgh's favor. And, uh, well, that's probably because Seattle's defense is absolute garbage. Uh, 42 and a half is your over-under. And, you know, dude, I just can't, uh, 
I can't figure out what Pittsburgh team's going to show up at the yard though this year. Actually, the 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 number has just gone to five, which is you know with a forty two and a half point total, that's still a lot of points. But that was a devastating loss. The Seahawks suffered with Russell Wilson's middle finger on his throwing hand. That was gross, man. Did you see that? Absolutely disgusting. And for many years, that like at least a decade, that guy has been the cologne that has taken up the stink of many other aspects of that team's game. Their utter lack of defense, currently dead last in yards allowed per game. Dude, they've allowed 450 total yards in four straight games. That's the longest streak in team history. And they've fielded some shitty defenses before this year. And they have a very conspicuous absence of a legitimate rushing attack, not even having one of the running backs in the league's top 25 this season. And you only have to ask a guy like Malcolm Butler about Pete Carroll's questionable in-game coaching decisions. This game will really reveal how bad that team really is without Russell Wilson. Geno Smith looked really good when called upon last week, but I guarantee you that even Sean McVay probably didn't know who the backup was for Wilson until Geno Smith took a snap under center. Now the Steelers have a full week to prepare for Smith, who hasn't had an NFL start since, wait for it, 2017, when he was with the New York Giants. I say guys like Joe Hayden, Cam Hayward, and TJ Watt, who's uh, expected to be in this game, have a bit of a field day with this journeyman. And speaking of coaching, you can tell that the Steelers have been climbing up in the offensive categories. And the main reason why is they're they're finally getting Chase Claypool the ball. Uh, his receiving yards have increased in each game pl- he's played this season up to uh, 130 yards last week. And I think if the Steelers want to continue to win, they got to keep finding ways to get him the ball. He's an exciting playmaker and a good Canadian lad at that. Well, I was going to say, can I call that guy your guy? Because not only is he Canadian, but he also played at Notre Dame. Yeah, oh, got to love it. Go Irish. So he's our, he was our guy. He's, he's, he's a wise guy. You know, he's, he's one of us. What a wonderful day for Canada. And therefore, of course, well. Well, anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on this game because it's bad enough how bad the Seahawks defense is. Now they got to come all the way across the country to the East Coast to play a Steelers team that traditionally plays pretty damn well at home. Like, I don't think Seattle's defense is up to the task, and you know I don't even care that it ticked up another half point. If it's at uh, Steelers with uh, Steelers minus five, I'm going to take the Steelers. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but speaking of bad coaching decisions, guess who Seattle was trying out this week to become their backup quarterback? Joe Willie. Blake fucking Bortles. Oh, actually, Joe Willie might have been better. I think so. So doing a stat-by-stat comparison would be irrelevant in this case. The Seahawks are just simply a different team without Russell Wilson. They're last in the league in stopping the run, and Najee Harris has done nothing but impress the Steelers as much as they could hope for in a rookie running back. I'm going the Steelers, man. I want to kiss you. And the last game on the docket this weekend is the Monday Nighter, of course. And that features the Tennessee Titans at home in the Music City. And, uh, well, they're hosting the Buffalo Bills. Tennessee is uh, five and a half point underdogs at home. 54 is your over-under here. And, uh, well, Buffalo is just churning out the offense this year. 
But what's really been impressive, too, is their defense is pretty tight. Well, it's where we thought it should be versus last year's defense as opposed to the defense we saw the year before. Um, I got a, a, a trivia time, Maddie. Do you know what the Buffalo Bills have done in the past 14 games straight, which is also an NFL record? Scored 21 points. They've been leading the scoreboard at halftime. Really? NFL record. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good for them because that means they come out firing, right? Yeah. And uh, that's a great thing to do when you're the away team as well. Tennessee has had some issues this year. Their defense is uh, slumping quite a bit. Um, And it doesn't seem like Ryan Tannehill has found the magic that that he had the past couple seasons. And uh, while Derrick Henry is still a beast and still Derrick Henry, but you can't ask a running back to do it all himself unless his name's Walter Payton. Well, Henry is leading the league in rushing by, with having more than 100 yards per game. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if it was unfortunate or not, but he also leads the league in rushing attempts at 52, which is by far ahead of the number two, Nick Chubb. So I don't know how sustainable it is, but right now there seems to be no slowing this guy down. And, you know, the Titans crushed them 42-16 to 16 last year as three-point home underdogs they picked off josh allen twice and held him to just 18 yards rushing on four carries you know last week with 315 passing yards can you imagine that josh allen had only 15 completions yeah he he really has no problem trying to throw the deep ball does he no but it's not it's not the 315 passing yards it's the fact that he did it on 15 completions well that's what i'm talking about he's taking big chunks of yards right Casey's inability to stop the big play downfield, and I really don't see the Titans having the same issue. Have you seen the Titans' defense play this season? Well, they've been suspect. but Yeah, in the back end especially. You mentioned earlier about Tannehill not being in sort of a rhythm or groove on offense, but they get Julio Jones back this week, and he's going to be a nice infusion to a passing game that has really struggled this season. I think we're going to see a Music City Miracle Part 2. I'm going with the Titans. Nah, man. I'm taking the Bills. Let's circle those wagons. Go Bills! And finally, we've got the teaser. And this is, uh, well, where Andy and I both give you guys a teaser that we like to get down on. Andy, you're up. What do you like this week? Well, we didn't talk about this game earlier, but even with all the nonsense going around with the Raiders, they're playing a division rival, the Denver Broncos, who don't really put up a lot of points. So if you can get the Raiders to plus nine and a half, I'm liking that one, especially with a low total of 44. On the other side of the teaser, although I did pick the Browns to cover the spread, I really do like Arizona uh, to keep it fairly close. And I'll, t- I'll take the plus nine on that one. Well, for me, just to change it up, I'm going to take a couple totals that I like to go over. So uh, first leg of the tease, the L.A. Chargers going into Baltimore. I want to take that from 50 and a half down to 44 and a half. 
And then the second leg of the teaser, we just talked about it. Buffalo going into Tennessee. That game is sitting at 54. I would take that down to 48, and I don't see either of those games uh, having a hard time covering. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Well, thank you for listening to Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content and picks from all Week 6 games across the NFL. From the Costa Nostra Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back in Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. My heart pounds thumping, slipping down a slope. Try to find a vision through a coffee and a smoke. The sun comes through the buildings and the crack beneath the door. I'm back in Toronto, you're still in New York. The wind is getting cold, but it will carry my voice. Over Lake Ontario, away from the noise. Try to give you shelter, give you shelter from the blast. 100 million tiny little pieces of glass. Your mind.